With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. We are back and we are live. It is Fight IQ presented by Rotowire MMA here to talk UFC Moscow. Our main event is going to be hotly debated on this podcast. It is Mark Hunt versus Alexi Olenek. Fight IQ is a DFS DraftKings specific MMA podcast. I am your host, the Daily Fantasy Sniper, the analyst for this podcast. Joe, also known as at Sun Tzu on Twitter. Joe, how are you doing? Good, man. I, I came oh so close last week. Having a really, really good day, and uh, I got T wooded, man. I needed I needed Tyrone Woodley to win. I needed him to score less than 106 points, or Darren Till to score less than 103 points. That's all I needed, and I win 10 grand for finishing in second place in the uh, in the ten dollar. Now I was feeling pretty good because neither one of those guys are are hundred point scores. Except so I, everyone I, forgot what a mismatch it was. Like I was, try, I didn't think it was going to be that bad. But I was trying to tell you, Darren Wood, Darren Till was having close fights with Bojan Velichkovich, and in hindsight, it looked great. But it, that's what stuck out to but me. But it's, amazing how, it's amazing how the whole dynamic changed because I'm on Woodley, and the whole dynamic changes because I'm rooting then for Till. Hold on, take it to round three. Take it to round three. <laughs> yep. Like the whole dynamic had changed, but. I finished sixth. I also won a ticket. I'm in a tiebreaker for another ticket. So uh, let's uh, let's make some money on this card. Yeah, I mean, this is a – we'll talk about it in a second. But I had also had a really good week last week. The other analyst on this podcast is uh, Chris, at Real Chris Olson on Twitter. Chris, how was your week last week? Uh, it could have been better, quite frankly. I, I am glad I, – and I did get some, uh, some purges off of Jeff Neal, so I'm happy about that. More people than I expected seemed to be on Frank Camacho. So, uh, you know, I, I took that uh, that 120 points I got from Jeff Neal with, uh, with a lot of scarcity and it helped me out quite a bit. But this week is the week I'm most excited about. If you guys follow me on Twitter, you know that uh, I've been pumping Alexio Lennox fight week all week. I'm ready to talk main events. I can't wait to get there. So let's get started. I can't wait. You are out of your damn mind. 
Um, by the way, I, I didn't plug my own Twitter, at the DFS Sniper with one S. This fight card is really interesting in terms of there are a lot of lopsided fights. I think roster construction is going to be the most important thing this week. Keep that in mind as you're listening. We're really hard up for these underdogs. Before we get into the actual fight breakdown, I want to do a quick plug for our sponsor, Rotowire MMA. <clears throat> Just Rotowire in general. Go to rotowire.com slash free. Check out all their usually um, paid content for 10 days. All for free, no credit card required. Daily fantasy, season-long stuff. Check it out over there, rotowire.com slash free. And let's get into the first fight of the night. Mirab Divalishvili, 9,200, taking on Terry and Ware at 7,200. Get ready to hear lines like this all throughout this episode. Divalishvili is a minus 500 favorite. Terry and Ware plus 435, and he has angered someone in the MMA. You know, the MMA gods are mad at him because this guy – He's gotten a murderer's row of people in his UFC stint. This is his fourth fight. He's 0-3. If you're wondering why he's gotten four fights, though, he's taken on uh, Tom Dukenwa, Sugar Sean O'Malley, Cody Stamen. And it doesn't get a whole lot easier here in Mirab Divalishvili, who pushes an incredible pace. It's great for DraftKings. We'll constantly look for takedowns. Personally, I don't think Ware is able to stop the takedown. Um, signs who Divalishvili took down a ton as a D1 wrestler. Um, just Divalishvili kind of gasses himself out. Here, though, I don't think Ware's going to be able to keep keep the pace either. I like the scoring. I like the scoring scoring potential. First fight of the night is one of my favorites. I like Divalishvili. Let me try. Let me think here. I'm thinking about this because we have 12 fights in this card. So I want Chris to go last uh, for Alexio Lemic. All right. so that means he has to start us off here. So, Chris, you're up. All right. Sounds good. Um, yeah, you know, I, I pretty much have the same feeling you do. I um, One thing I, I was going to say about Marab is, I mean, and, and this fight in general, the framing could be, you know, the, the two best fighters without a win in the UFC because Marab uh, famously lost the, the science fight by split decision, I, I if I remember correctly, and then, you know, the weird guillotine thing with uh, – Ricky Simone. So um, it's going to be an interesting fight, I think. I think um, the thing about Marab is we know that he's, you know, a fire plug and he's going to, he's going to, you know, chase those takedowns, but he doesn't hold position very well at all. I think uh, three times uh, in that Simone fight when he tried to take the back, he just slid right off. And, uh, you know, Simone was able to just get back to the center. Uh, I like Terry and where I like the fact that he closes distance. That's when he had his most success in that Sean O'Malley fight, when he was able to close the distance. I'm going to disagree with you a little bit. I don't really think Marab gets tired, at least not visibly. I mean, he must be because he expends a lot of energy. But I don't think his fight um, aggressiveness really really flags that much, and I think that's going to be the biggest problem for Terry and Ware here. I think um, Ware is, is a clean boxer with fast hands, so he could tag uh, really up a little bit. But even in his last fight, we saw that uh, his his striking, speaking of Dvajvili's, was getting a little better. So, yeah, I'm going to take uh, Dvajvili by decision here also. I just don't think he's going to be able to stop the takedown or keep up with the pace. So that's the pick. Uh, also interesting, in, in Dvajvili's two UFC losses, he scored over 70 points in each of those. Yeah, in that's his true. losses. So um, when you're picking up in that high range, there's a lot of targets here. Something to keep in mind, who's going to score a ton of points, who's most likely to score a ton of points. For me, Divalishvili is pretty high on that list. How about you, Joe? 
Look, I mean, Divashvili, we saw, I, I saw his last fight in Atlantic City. Um, he seems to have poor fight IQ, and that is really the only chance I see here for Terry and Ware. I started out the week, like, I don't know if I shared this with, with our, our millions of viewers, but um, as soon as the salaries drop, I always create one lineup right off the cuff. No research. I just go in, salaries, boom, create a lineup. The first lineup I created had Terry and Ware in it. Because I'm thinking, okay, 7.1K. He's fought some decent, really good competition. I would argue that he won the fight against Dukanoy. That I, I I scored that fight for him. I thought that was a really bad loss. Um, it's a close fight, but I gave it, was a, it, was it was a close fight. Lot, but... I, I gave it to Ware anyway. So the point here is that, look, he is clearly the better technical striker. And we know that Diashvali does not have great fight IQ. So would it shock me if Ware caught him with something? No. Now, I believe that Dishvali is a Georgian, which is a subtle distinction from, you know, a normal Russian. So, yeah, it's a lot closer than what Ware is. But I don't necessarily know that that is enough to show a high level of favoritism if it's a close decision. So my pick is going to be Dishvali. And to, to both your points, you know, he will score well on DraftKings if he wins. He will get a lot of takedowns. I do see it as a fight going the distance. However, with that said, I think Ware has got a pretty decent floor. So I could think of a lot worse plays in cash. I mean, he's scoring 50 points, 40 points in a loss, which in this card, um, you know, with all these high-priced favorites, that might not be the worst punt in the world in cash. Dare I even say it? Yeah, you could stack the fight. Stack a three-round fight? Um, I, don't, you know? I don't know about 40 or 50, but if there's any three-round some, you know, you're going to stack any three-rounder on this card. It's a Divashvili fight for sure. Right. So uh, my pick is Divashvili, but I wouldn't kill anybody for throwing wear in a couple lineups, nor would I kill anybody for wearing cash. All right. Next up, Ramazan Amiv. Emiev. It's one of the ones i do not not totally sure on. Stefan is Sekulic is 6,900. Uh, Emiev, 9,300. The line on this fight is... More lopsided than the the name pronunciation I just gave it, as Emiev is a massive minus five sixty favorite Sukulic is plus four seventy five. Look, it's hard to find tape on Sukulic, but Emiev is a real deal prospect. Um, the only thing, like he mixes it up well. He's got he has very good fight IQ, very professional fighter. Doesn't really stand out anywhere except that he is good everywhere. And Sukulich, I believe he's the one who's a gym teacher, not to steal Joe's narrative thunder, but I think he's a gym teacher in Serbia, taking this fight on short notice. The one worry I have for Emiev is he typically doesn't score well on DraftKings at all. He's got uh, wins over, I believe it's, pull it up, it's right in front of me, Sam Alvey and Alberto Mina at 65 points, 54 points. At 9,300 on this card, that's not going to get it done, but I do uh, like him to win this fight. Joe, what do you have for this one? Yeah, so <laughs> actually, he's minus six seventy on DraftKings uh, sportsbook. I'm going um, by five times. I know, I know. With, with with the vig on the DraftKings sportsbook, DraftKings I'm not really wild. Although, if you're betting dogs, DraftKings might not be bad. Um, yeah, I, I you know if you got if you need to find someone that you're gonna be underexposed to, um, it's gonna be a myth uh, just because of what you stated that. You know, he doesn't seem to be have any sense of urgency. 
Um, so, and I don't know a lot about his opponent. It just seems like this is a real softball for him. So it wouldn't surprise me if he got the finish, but I certainly think there are better plays at his price point, but he is my pick to win. Chris, what do you got for this one? Well, since you guys don't seem to have um, gotten a lot of tape on Sukalik, I'll tell you that um, you're one of the fortunate ones. I um, suffered through a couple of his fights, and 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 generally, he's a he's a uh, you know a grappler who throws big power single shots. But mostly, what he does is get himself back up and look for a chance to grapple and bring the fight to the ground. Um, I, I really don't see big path for him to win at all in this spot. I also think Emiv can finish here just by overwhelming him when he backs him up. I I think, I mean, your point's well taken about the um, his, his two fights in the UFC, but Sam Alvey's a tough guy to look good against even if you win because, you know, he just, by not by not doing anything, he tends to shut down your offense. And then in, in the last fight, you know, we saw him really have to defend a lot of, a lot of grappling exchanges, and which he did very well. Um, which is another, which is another reason that um, I like him a lot here. I think um, I think he's better everywhere, and I think he's got sneaky power. And uh, you know, I'm probably going to throw him into a into a GPP or two, or I would recommend that somebody would do that, just because you know I agree I agree with you guys because there's a lot more flashier favorites on this card, so I think he's going to be under own against an opponent that he's got pretty much an advantage everywhere against, and. If that spell's finished, which it could do, you're going to have a lot of those beautiful points to yourself. So the pick is Ameev, and I would say don't sleep on him as a pick to get uh, score a lot of points here. All right, so I'm going to backtrack real quick. I missed a question. Um, Marco in chat asks, and I'm going to just give a quick number because I don't want to spend too much time on this. Uh, what's this, your ceiling for a Mirab decision? I'm going to say, and the decision is ceiling still pretty high, I'm going to go 115. Joe, I'm gonna, I'm gonna. All I'm gonna say is because I'm really bad at this. Is I'm gonna say under that. I'm Chris? gonna say un, under. Ah, uh, I'll say under. I'll say under. Okay. Um, by the way, Zelda, Zelda says he wants a game worn Chris Olsen wrote a wire hat. Yes, he, I, I saw that. I mean, you know what? It's kind of creepy, but I could use the money. So if he wants it. You know, I mean, you just you just alienated your fan base, calling it creepy. So I don't think it's, it's gonna work. Hey, you now. know, no, I'm not. I don't judge. I just, you know, no, it's too late for that. Moving on, Jordan Johnson, 8700, taking on Adam Yandiv Yandiev at 7500. Uh, this is an interesting one. There's there's a lot of narratives on this fight that I'm sure I'll touch on a few, and I'm sure I'll miss some. Uh, Johnson's the favorite, at minus 250. Yandiv is plus 230. Jordan Johnson's coming down from 205, um, from 205 to 185, uh, taking this fight on a week and a half's notice. It means he's been losing weight, and you know this has been his plan. He looked okay at weigh-ins. He made the weight. I uh, have to worry about his gas tank a little bit, whereas Yandiev is, hasn't fought in three years, is 9-0, has never been out of the first round, and has been involved in fight-fixing um, scandals or accusations, I should say. Not, not nothing confirmed, but accusations. And if you watch some of his fights, they look weird. Um, Jordan Johnson decisions at 205 against not good competitors. Um, guys like Henry, um, one of the De Silva's last fight was Adam Milstead. Uh, it just 
for me, this is a fight where it's it's dog or pass. I mean, I guess you could go GPP on Johnson, but there are other people in that range I like more. Um, and you've, you know, clearly has power. I don't know. I, this is one of those. I'm the tape I've seen. I think he's good enough. He's aggressive, big hands. I don't, I don't think much of Jordan Johnson. And because I'm hurting for dogs, this is one of the spots I'm willing to take a shot. So. Point per dollar, I leave Yandiev because I, I, I need people in that range. Uh, Chris, what do you have on this fight? It's funny you should mention about the fight-fixing things. Uh, one of the fights was you saw you saw Yandiev get one arm around his opponent. He didn't have the choke secured yet, and the ref goes, do you tap, do you tap? It looked like professional wrestling. It was, it was very weird. But um, having said that, and, you know, we can't we assume yada, 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 but – I don't know. I, I'm just I'm just not a big Jordan Johnson fan. I think he came into the UFC with a lot of hype as like this wrestler extraordinaire, get your takedowns. But we saw in the Adam Milstead fight that when he can't get the takedowns, he's basically just like a slow overhand. It's he's not very quick with his hands at all. Um, I think he's a he's a better he's a better technical grappler um, than Yandiev is going to be. Just we saw him, you know, in in those in those. Uh, Exchange it up against the ca the cage. He'll he'll you know try to control with the overhook and you know he'll do all that sort of good stuff. But you know I don't know Yandiev. It's so hard to, to gauge his fights because it's generally just him running into takedowns or or his opponents trying to secure things and being overzealous and 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 slipping out and him getting the upper hand. So it's really hard to gauge his fight. I think that if you're gonna throw an underdog dart, this might be as good a place as any. I think it's going to be like a wild maelstrom of a fight for as long as it lasts. Um, but I think I'm going to take Jordan Johnson's poise to win the fight. I just think he's a more controlled fighter. And I think um, Yandiev can get himself in a space where um, he can't get himself out of. And I kind of expect that to happen. But I'm probably going to dog or pass this fight as well for DraftKings. Joe? Okay, well, there's a little bit of narrative around this fight, okay? So we've already mentioned that Yandiev has not fought for three years. Um, no one seems to know what he's been doing for three years. Um, our good friend, uh, who we've actually had on as a guest, uh, Newsom, um, has got some contacts in M1. And even his M1 contacts could not tell him what Yandiev has been up to. Here's the narrative. So... Uh, his father, um, first of all, I should say his family is very wealthy. So he's not doing this to make a living. His father is a famous judoka. Um, if you know anything about the former Soviet Union, judokas, including Mr. Putin, have done quite well. Um, he parlayed his judoka fame to becoming a Chechen uh, tycoon in the construction industry, his father. His father had several sons. They took up judo. Um, so he's not doing this for money, which is why he hasn't had to fight in the last three years. What's interesting about how he fights is that his submission style, and again, you guys are much more technical analysts than I am, but this just jumped out at me. His submission style is not, is old MMA, is not something that would work on a regular basis in new MMA. It's neck cranks, right? It's pure brute strength. It's like, Anybody that has got some level of judo skill would be able to get out of those types of submissions. So the first lineup I created had Ware in it. It also had Yandiev in it. 
um, because of the 7.5, the fact that the guy's got all his first round finishes. He's got a shot, but if this goes beyond the first round, I have to think that Jordan's offensive wrestling um, and just overall um, experience and activity over the course of the last three years are going to serve him well. So take a flyer on Yandiev. If it gets out of the first round, I think you're going to have problems, but I'm going to pick Jordan to win the fight. All right, next up, Magomed Ankalaev, 9,100, taking on Marcin Pacino, I think. 7,100, I should remember his name, but I don't know if he does after the beating he took from Sam Alvey, one of the weirdest knockouts you'll see when she got clipped on the feet and then just dropped his hands and walked towards Alvey, clearly not there anymore, and then Alvey hit him again and put his lights out for good. Um, Whereas on the other side, Ankalaev, um, beat the crap out of Paul Craig for 14 minutes and 59 seconds before getting triangled. I'm sure you've heard that all week in every MMA pod you listen to, but a lot of us got burned pretty bad on that one, myself included. Um, and he's back. My, he's minus 430, Pacino plus 380. Look, Pacino has a karate style. From what I've seen, I don't think he could stop a takedown. Ankalaev, um, he comes from a gym with a lot of names you'd recognize but can't pronounce. Grapple first. Should get takedown, should redeem himself. I think he's one of the safer plays in that range. Not sure terribly about his ceiling is the one thing that concerns me because he'll get a takedown. And he was against Paul Craig. He doesn't do a lot of advancing, ground and pound, beat you up. However, I think I think a finish likely materializes here. I just I have a hard time seeing Pacino winning this fight. Uh and I like guys for, who go for takedowns. So I am pretty high on Ankalaev this week. Joe, what do you have? Now, is um, is Prashino the guy, or is that the is Prashino the guy that's coached by Bojan, Bo, Bojevic? You know, uh, or, 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 or is that the other? Is that Mihailovic? Um, okay. Is he I don't the, remember. Okay, so I don't remember who. I think that was Suklu. Uh, yes, you're right. Yeah. Okay, you got yeah. it. Okay, yeah. I knew one of these guys was coached by Bojan. So. This is <laughs> I, I laugh every time I think of the either the, the low fight IQ of the fighter or what a bad corner he had to not yell out, hey dude, hold on, it's all, you only got 10 seconds left. Um I do think he's gonna try to redeem himself um here, and I don't see anything that the other guy has that he hasn't seen. So I'm gonna go with the Russian here. Chris. I'm going to have to, because uh, I, I noticed a lot of people were doing this after the fight, too. And he burned me, too. So, But I'm going to have to come to his defense a little bit here. When you, should he got caught in it? No. But once you're in there and it's clamped, I got to imagine that you're panicking and you don't really think about much except for, oh, my God, I'm going to pass out. So I, I don't blame him for tapping once the sub was in. When You can say he shouldn't have let it get in, but I, I can't jump all over the guy when he was getting choked unmercifully. That's that's the the one thing my one uh, my one uh, uh, defense of him. But I will say that you know I watched that fight and I didn't I didn't remember having Paul Craig quite as much success as he did. I mean he got a couple takedowns of his own. He held position a little bit. I, I don't I don't expect Prochnio to do that. But look, Prochnio is still an explosive striker, um, and I think Ankalaev is gonna is gonna be waiting a little bit too much here. Obviously, if they get in, gra in grappling situations, I favor Ankalev. But to your point, uh, Sean, he, he doesn't really do much uh, when he's on the ground. He's sort of just a, a pound-you-out kind of guy. We've seen Prashnio in his regional fights. 
be kind of explosive when getting back to his feet. Um, obviously, you know, holds his hands low. Obviously, doesn't move his head. None of the, these those things are ideal. But, you know, uh, I don't really expect Prochnio uh, uh, or Ankalev, I should say, to land a knockout shot. Although, you know, we've seen him do that before, too, so it's not out of the question. But, you know, I'm not, I'm not totally looking past Prochnio as a live dog here just because I think he's explosive enough to land that big shot. And I have questions about, you know, Ankalev's, um, his, his ceiling here. But I think overall, I'm going to take Ankalev to win the fight. But I would say, don't sleep on Prochnio entirely. For me, the rebuttal off that, I think Prochnio is a fade for me personally. I think there's, I know there's not a ton of dogs. He's he's not one of the ones I'm interested in because he has that karate style. I don't know if he's going to knock Ankalev out, but I, I think he will be very low owned. If you're in, if you're interested in that, that that's how how you win a GPP, Chris. So that's if, right. If, if you know, I can't wish that for you though, because I'm probably going to play Uncle Live and Cash. Well, look, look, I'm, I'm not, I'm not saying you know invest heavily. I'm just saying you know you're making like 542 lineups like Joe likes to do. Maybe a couple with Fraccio. That's all I'm saying. Look, I, I, Chris, I will tell you that, and it's not because I have any level of confidence in him to win. It's just because there are not a lot of live dogs on this card. I've got 96 lineups created so far, and I am 24% Prochnio. That's insane, wow. Joe. That's, That's insane. Wild. You need to That's... make some edits. Well, Maybe... it's, it, the number's going to go down because I, I have 14 lineups in queue, so I'm going to I'm going to roll with 110 this week. No, um, you need to, whatever. Even if you don't do any more Prochnio. It's still way too much. No, there are no more. There's no more Prochnio. So that's, but I mean, and that number was higher. I actually pared it down. You need to pare yeah. down some more. Maybe as we talk about Marabek Tysimov at 8,900, taking on Desmond Green at 7,300. Tysimov is a big favorite. He is at, pull it up the current line, minus 475 to come back on Green plus 420. Seemingly like every fight on this card, tons of narrative. If you haven't heard, Desmond Green. Uh, last month caused a car accident, in which two people lost their lives. Um, there's, you know, rumors circulating. Could there be pending charges? Can he travel? The fight is on. Tyson, off the other hand, has seems to fight every year, once a year, because of visa issues, and he missed weight by seven pounds, which is not something Desmond Green's unfamiliar with, because Michelle Pajeris did the same thing to him, and it's, I think, it's strategy. I don't think Tyson off. I think it was on purpose. You know Green needs to fight. He knows Green's going to try and grapple, and that extra weight is going to make things a little harder, plus help help the uh, gas tank. That being said, I have some questions about the ceiling of Marabek Tysimov. Um, I know 100, obviously 100 is a great score, but right in that area is, is the best he can do, whereas we talked about Divalishvili with grappling upside, I think can get higher than that. Tysimov is really knockout dependent. Now he's on a five knockout streak. He scored 101 against um, Silva, 113 against Hadzevic. Those are both great. You take those. The two before that, 92 against Alan Patrick. Tough fight. And 99 against uh, Crystal Dulu. He's a, he's a can. Yeah. So those are all good scores, but on this card, I'm not sure that's going to be enough or that he can get a first round finish um, because Desmond Green has never been knocked out in his professional career. That being said, Tysimov is the better fighter. He should win here. I am more concerned about the scoring 
and Desmond Green because he likes to grapple and how much I like grapplers on DK, I'm going to have Desmond Green as one of the dogs I mix and match. That being said, Maribek Tysimov is the way, has the way better future. The fact that he missed weight totally helps him. Wins this fight, does he get a finish is the real question. I think that's what we all need to kind of decide. So, Chris, what do you think? Does Maribek Tysimov get a finish here? Um, I, I'm leaning more and more that he does. And the reason I say that is because, you know, if, if you if you rewatch that um, uh, who, uh, the Glacian T-Bow fight uh, with Desmond Green, uh, you know, when he tries to fight from the outside, Desmond Green, what his plan seems to be is to just jump into to range with shots. And he got countered quite a few times by uh, T-Bow doing that, more more than I remembered. Um I, it didn't. It didn't um, turn into anything because Tibau is the kind of guy when he's fighting a guy longer than him, he really has nothing to do except throw, you know, these power shots that fall short. But I think if he, if Desmond Green does that against uh, Tysonov, he's going to be in a lot of trouble. And I also think, I mean, sure, he's not the grappler wrestler, but I mean, I th- I think like his anti grappling is is really pretty good. I mean, Alan Patrick couldn't take him down. Um, couldn't even come close. So. Um, I, I love his takedown defense. I don't. I don't think. I don't think Green's going to be able to get him down. I don't think he's going to get able to keep him there. Uh, in, at any rate, I just think that um, look, he can. He can do pretty much anything. He can come forward. He can. He can lead. He can. He can knock you out going backwards. He's got fast hands. I, I really like him a lot here. And I mean, the, the fact that Desmond Green's never been knocked out, I mean, can only add to because I think a lot of people are going to have that perception, and so. You know, when he does get his finish, you know, I think I think that's going to lead to a lot of points, and maybe maybe people are going to fade him for that reason. I just I just think he is, as you said, you know, he's the future, and I think that Desmond Green is just not a fighter. He, he doesn't have any weapons for him, and I think I think the first time he tries to open up, it, it's going to be trouble for him. So yeah, I'm taking Tyson off to get the knockout. I disagree with you that I think Tyson off is going to be pretty chalky. I think people are, you know, this Desmond Green, his mind can't possibly be in the fight, which there's probably some merit to that. Uh, I actually think Tysonoff's going to be really popular. Uh, Joe, what do you think on this fight? So I think there's a bit of line value in Tess, just because, you know, he is a sub-9K fighter here in, in a card that's loaded with 9K fighters. I think this would be a difficult enough fight for Green absent the narrative. But my God, I mean, you're coming into a fight where not too long ago, oh, by the way, while driving on a revoked license, you actually, or suspended license, you got into an accident that ended up in the death of two people. So I don't know how at the very least he's, he's not going to go to trial of some sort. Um, I, and I also agree with you, Sean, that this weight miss was strategic because he knew that this guy is flying to Russia, right? He's not going to say no. He likely needs the money for the fight. Um, this was very strategic and, and dare I say smart. He's sacrificing 20% of 40, 40. Oh, 40. Yeah. Okay, so he's, oh, 40. Okay. So he's sacrificing 40 and he can't win fight of the night. So yeah. Um, yeah. But I, I, you know, I think with the card loaded, you know, the chances that he wins, well, I don't know. Maybe not, but I do like him a bit. Like I always said it, I would rather have a guy miss by, you know, five pounds than miss by a quarter of a pound because at a point, you know, he probably said, you know what, just fuck it. I'm sorry, just F it. 
Uh, <laughs> and uh, and uh, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna cut weight anymore, right? So I, I do like him here. I I think that if it goes beyond the first round, it could get interesting. Um, but I do like him here, and that was good comment that Chris made about Patrick. I certainly do not think that Green is a better wrestler than uh, Patrick. So Taz. All right, next up, you know what, I want to, I actually want to do a quick public service announcement. I should have mentioned this in the open. Uh, remember, this card is tomorrow, Saturday, September 15th. It starts, lineup block is 10.30 a.m. Eastern time. So it is an early card, all on Fight Pass. But make sure you get get your lineups in. I'm over in chat, right? By the way, if you're listening to this afterwards on the Rotowire MMA um, iTunes feed, uh, we record these Friday nights. Jump in you on YouTube, uh, subscribe. You, you'll get the notification that we're live and ask any questions. There's some some good banter going on as questions come in. I'll get to them. Also, now that I'm in here, guys who are watching, we have about 30 or so people watching live. If you guys could click that little thumbs up button, I'd appreciate it. I'm probably asked for trouble, but we don't have any thumbs up and we have two thumbs down. And if you're one of those two people, uh, you can get out and everybody else <laughs> uh, go ahead and, and click the thumbs up. Moving on on that note. Look, I don't mind if someone gives us a thumbs down in all honesty. Tell us why. You know, yeah, like like I'm just I'm just I'm just being a smart ass. No, no, seriously though. I I think it's a good question. Like, okay, why? Like, well, what don't you like? I'm I'm perfectly willing to accept criticism <laughs> as long as it's valid. If we were at the main event and Chris was talking to Alexia Lennox, then go ahead and thumbs down the crap out of this video. No, that that's gonna be that's gonna be the best part of the show. What are you kidding me? Come all on. Right, well, well, let's get there because we are about 35 minutes in. We have Rustav Habilov, 9,500, taking on Cajun Johnson, 6,700. Habilov, minus 750. Cajun Johnson, plus 600. Cajun Johnson, this is his fight, his last fight in the UFC. Um, got destroyed by Islam Makhachev last time out. Dana White hates him because he's part of that uh, Project Spearhead, I think it is. Uh, fighters trying to get... A union along with Leslie Smith. He's on his way out. Habilov should win this fight. The problem is, is the Cajun makes fights ugly, and Habilov isn't the most volume action packed fighter. <laughs> he's he's not yeah urgent, not urgent at all. So this could turn into a low scoring affair. And if anywhere but Russia, I'd be half concerned. Cajun weasels out a win. The the bigger concern is what is Habilov's uh, score? This is one of those where if you're going to punt somewhere, uh, we'll talk about Peter Yan versus uh, guy. I can't his name. I can't remember later the Korean or Japanese guy. Soon. Um, yeah, soon. I wanted to say Chu, and I knew it wasn't right. Uh, soon. I wouldn't go there. I wouldn't go towards somebody. Suggest, somebody suggested Sukalich earlier. I'd go towards Johnson of those super punts. Uh, I think right now we are up to Joe for this one. What do you got? Okay, so we're probably going to get another thumbs down here, but I have my own public service announcement. Uh, we got to give major props to uh, the DFS sniper for crushing it in the NASCAR qualifier, going yes. to the live final. Not only, not only did he get into the live final, but he actually finished first. Not that that got him any more money, because you just had to finish the top 12 out of 30. He actually killed it and finished first. So... Props to uh, the DFS sniper for a free trip to Charlotte. Um, he's going he's gonna to compete for some major ducats down there. So, okay, so back to the card anyway. So, appreciate it. Yeah, 9.5K on DraftKings. Um, 
Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'd rather pay up 100 for Jan. I'd rather go down um, to any number of spots. Um, with that said, it could be interesting because I think he might be under-owned. Um, you know, and, and there might be he might be worth a play for that reason. I will say he is probably going to be the lowest owned fighter that I have above eight point nine k. I do pick him to win, though. Chris, yeah, you know it's it's so funny because I was thinking about this fight, and I remember uh, going into Cajun Johnson's last fight. I was like, well, this is a terrible style matchup for Cajun Johnson because we have a wrestler. And all Johnson does is back himself up against the cage and try to go back and forth. But I was thinking to myself, he's not going to really do that, is he? And then the fight came, and that's exactly what he did. And he got himself <laughs> taken down and subbed. I, I just I just don't understand how um, this guy expects to win fights against dedicated wrestlers like that. I would like to think that this time he will, because he's a, he's a quick guy. He should be in the middle of the cage trying to use his movement to avoid the takedowns, but instead... He makes it as easy as possible. So if he does that again, which I guess I have no reason to think that he won't, um, he's basically going to feed Hobby Love uh, takedowns. And once he's on top, we know he's a strong guy. We know he's a good positional grappler. Um, does he have a finish in the UFC yet? I'm not sure. Uh, Anybody? Bueller? No? Uh, keep talking. I'll, we'll look. All right. I'll, 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 I'll let you guys... If you guys could define that for me, that'd be great. But I don't think he does. And I think that'll shy some people away. But I just can't help being drawn to him by the way that um, by the way that Cajun Johnson fights. And I don't think that, you know, when he actually connects, he hits hard. Um, but I just think he's got possibly the worst style matchup, again, for one of these dedicated wrestlers. So I would say, you know, as Joe said, and, and thank you for saying it first so I didn't have to, because um, I seem to be saying it a lot, um, that if you want to take him as sort of a pivot away play from a lot of these other more expensive guys, I would say go for it. He's got to finish way back in the days that, you know, before the iPhone 3 came out against uh, Vince from Hell Pichel. He's got one uh -huh. finish. All right. One finish. Thank you. He also has the knockout um, win over Yancey Medeiros. What? Are you sure? Yep, 2013. Was that, in the, was that in the UFC? Yeah. Mm, it's on DraftKings. Oh, you are correct. Oh, you know what? It was a hand injury. So it was a technical uh, knockout. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. You are correct, though, technically. All right, Chris, you're going to do your best to keep it short on this one because it's Peter Yan at 9,600 against Jin <laughs> Susan at 6,600. Peter Yan is minus 900. If you don't know, he's a freaking killer at 135. I think he's going to be at least top 10. People are touting him even higher. That top 10 is conservative. Dudes and monsters kept having guys fall off the card. Nobody wants to fight him. Douglas Silva, D'Andrade, looking at you. Peter Yan wins this fight. If you can fit him, play him. He's super expensive, though. Chris? Uh, well, I don't know if you guys managed to, but your boy did manage to find some tape on uh... – on Sun, and um, you know, honestly, I, I wish I wish there was some more to say. There's really not that much. Uh, he like he likes to pressure. He's 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 like the ultimate like pressure counterfighter, where he tries to pressure and draw you out. And Peter Yan does pretty much the same thing, except he's better at it. Um, I also think he's a more accurate puncher. I think he's a more powerful puncher. Uh, we've seen Sun in, in some of those fights. You know, he likes to go for the. Body lock takedowns, which I assume assume means he's pretty strong. But 
Um, you know, I don't really see him being that much stronger than Peter Jan. And um, per your wishes, Sean, I'll keep this short. And I'm going to say um, Peter Jan wins the pressure war as I expect him to, hits him with something hard and knocks him out. Joe, what do you got? Okay, so I, I do understand a little bit of Korean. So I saw a, a, a video, a spy video of, of Soon asking his coach how he could beat Peter Yan. And I may have got the translation wrong, but I swore that his coach said, translated into English, the way that you beat him is with a stick in his bed while he's asleep. Because um, that's the only way he's actually going to, he's got a shot to win this fight. Uh, 9.6K cash game lock. Very hard to pay up for in GPPs, although I would try to use him um, and and create a number of lineups featuring um, Peter Jan, maybe with the higher end of the mid-range, so you don't have to go too far low down the spectrum. But um, I think it's probably, the you know, as reflected by the salary, uh, the best play on the card. All right, next up, Khalid Mertzaliev, 8,400, taking on C.B. Dalloway at 7,800. Mertzaliev is the favorite in this one at minus 165, the comeback on Dalloway plus 155. The question in this one is what can Mertzaliev do with the wrestling of C.B. Dalloway, and is C.B. Dalloway going to slowly decline? Last time out, he won by getting knocked into oblivion by Hector Lombard, granted a solid five seconds, it seems like, after the horn went off for, D1, for, for round one. It was a disqualification. Um, he also has recently, recently been knocked out by an elevator. Uh, <laughs> Martzaliev is a good prospect. Uh, uh, I... I <sighs> I don't want a ton of this fight because I do think Dalloway is, is tough, can fight at a slow enough pace, could grind some grappling. I'm I'm leaning dog or pass, mostly because the others in this range in this range, such as Krylov, Blahovich, Mark Hunt, even Olenek, if you want to get really crazy. Actually, I probably played either one of these guys before Olenek, but you get what I mean. This this could be this is a GPP range, and I don't see this being a cash fight, so it's it's mostly dog or pass in terms of Dalloway, hoping he uses his wrestling. But Martzaliev is a solid prospect. Um, Chris, what do you got on this one? Yeah, um, I, I, I don't know. Like, Dalo, like, part of me thinks that Dalloway can use his, his grappling and top control. Part of me thinks he's a better he's a better positional grappler. Um, but we legendary saw... savings are on now. Oh, Intel Gamer Days 2018 that. is your chance to save. Dude, what Pretty sure that? we can't have commercials. Stay focused. Stay focused. Uh, yeah, no, Sure Dog was talking. Sure Dog was talking to me, but it's over. Um, sure Dog is just, you know what? I'll be nice. Just go to Tapology. Oh, shots fired. All right. Well, um, anyway, I, I do. I think that, um, as I said, I kind of like the wrestling at Dalloway here, but problem is. Um, that in the fight, yeah, with Ed Herman, like, I don't know, every time they were on the feet, it seemed like he was either getting hurt with something or, you know, getting backed up. And it, it, reminded, it sort of reminded me of the last day, Diego, Diego Sanchez fight where he was winning on the ground, but every time you were on the, he's on the feet, you were afraid he's going to get murdered. Um, so I kind of just have the feeling that he's going to get knocked out. If he can sustain 
his grappling for three rounds, I think he's got a chance. But um, I think I, I I can't escape the feeling that um, a knockout's coming. So uh, I'm going to go with that. Okay. Well, you, you guys stole a lot of my narrative, you know, being knocked out by the elevator. Here's a little bit more, though. Um, Dalloway did not fight at all during 2016. Okay. He had one fight in 2017. And if you can call the fact that he was knocked unconscious um, in round one, at the end of round one in 2018, he's fought once in 2018. So not an overly active fighter here. Uh, D1 wrestler, um, you know, which, you know, okay, great. Um, I do think that there's some value in maybe targeting this fight. I mean, there's not a lot of fights where you could target both sides and, and feel good about it. But I, I think there, you know, there is a path to victory here for both fighters. Um, I'm going to go with the Russian again, which surprise, surprise. Um, but I do think it's worth putting some lineups together with Dalloway. All right. Next up, my least favorite name on the card, Alexei Kunchenko. Hey, he got through it. For whatever reason, I've been stumbling on him all week. Taking on Tiago Alves. Kunchenko is 9,000. Alves is 7,200. Kunchenko, who I was going to say say the Russian, but I'm not positive he's Russian. I think he is. Yes. I believe he's so. the favorite at minus 560. Alves at plus 475. Look, this is one of those. Kunchenko is a legit prospect, I believe. He's the one. God, all these Russians have been jumbled in my head all week. He is the M1 champion, correct? Yes, M1 yes, global. Welterweight. I, I think he's actually 34. I don't know if he's... You know, yeah, he uh, prospect status. He's he's the M1 champ coming in taking on Tiago Alves, who has been declining. Curtis Melender knocked him out last time out. Um, he beat Patrick Cote, but you know Patrick Cote retired after that fight, and Jim Miller held him down uh, for three rounds in their fight in 2016. So this is one of those. I think they're going to stand and trade. I think it's going to be a kickboxing match. Actually, if that's what happens in this line is too wide. Kunchenko opened at minus 245. If he looks to grapple here, I think he'll have some success. But really, I think he's kind of just a more polished version of Alves as of late. And, man, I wish I could trust Alves's chin a little more. I wish Melender hadn't just knocked him out because this is one of those maybe I play him in cash type of situations in that he could stay around for a decision, land you know, 50, 50 60 strikes and a loss, and take me you know, 25, 30 points. At his price tag of seven point two thousand, I would sign up for that. Um, so that's the way I'm leaning this fight. Kunchenko is live. I can't fade him. I think he's right now better than Alves, but they're really similar fighters to me. And this line has really gotten steam pretty quick. Where I think it's a little wide. Uh, who are we on for this one? Me, actually. I, although I think it was me last time, and you went to Chris. But we'll let Chris do uh, Hunt Alonic before me anyway. Um, so I, I actually like him a fair amount here. Um, Kunchenko or Alves? Kunchenko. Uh, I, I, and there's also some odds value here. Um, you know, he's on top of guys uh, priced higher than him, salary-wise. So the widening of the line makes makes odds value for Kunchenko. Real, real quick, just with odds value, it's a conversation we should have a, a different day. We're not up against it. But really, I think there's a difference, personally, between odds value that is inherent in where Vegas sets the line and odds value that the public has steamed. Like there's, there's 
I, I love to know amount of, mo- of money versus number of tickets. Just some, something we should talk about at no, a later date. Fair enough. I think you need to look at both. But, I mean, I, I, I see him at 9K on top of guys, you know, 9.1K, 9.2K. And to me, that translates to some odds value. So I liked him before. You know, I don't know what took it took him so long to get into the UFC, but uh, I think that they want him to win. Um, the UFC does. Uh, so he could be promoted, um, you know, especially as they try to build up that Eastern European market. Um, I have to believe Alves is gone or pretty close to gone. Um, you know, ever since USADA, he's never really looked the same. Um, he beat Patrick Cote. Okay, big whoop. Cote left his gloves in the ring after that fight. Um, definitely, I, I again, I don't know this for a fact, but I have to figure that USADA probably shaved a couple years off of his career. I like Kachenko here a fair amount. Chris? Well, my first uh, at least semi-confident underdog pick. Uh, I, I, I like oh, Alvis. Oh, my God, I'm going to do this. And I have to say before Chris starts, in def- one thing I wanted to mention, in defense of Chris, and I cannot believe I'm saying that, of all of the big underdogs on this card, all the underdogs, Alves is by far the best fighter. Like, no, I don't think oh, that, yeah, I mean, well, there's well, not much of a debate there. It's just the, the matchup here. But I, don't know, I would say he has, might have the best record. I don't know if he's the best fighter. Him and Desmond Green are the only legit professional fighters um, below 7,800. Stevie Dalloway is also old. And then are you going to tell me he's a, he's a better fighter than, or he's a worse fighter than Olenek, Yandiev, Prashino, Sekulic? Well, well, let's not go oh, crazy. Olenek has some wins. <laughs> I mean, you know, that's a little, that's, that's where Olenek's that's, better. Uh, let's, uh, we'll, we'll just table that. Uh, yeah. like Chris go. He's, he's the most experienced and, in my opinion, most professional fighter in that bunch. Sorry, Chris, well, go ahead. Well, I think. I think you know we have some we have some tough crowd today. I mean, a, a, a loss a knockout loss to Curtis Melinda. I mean, I, yeah, it's not great from where Tiago Alves used to be as a fighter, but I don't think it's the end of the world. And I I think that um, you know for an eighteen and zero fighter, I mean, I had the same reaction everybody else did. You're like, oh my god, I can't wait to see this guy. But I mean, if you have that kind of if you think he's going to be a world beater, I think you're going to be a little disappointed when you look at tape. I mean, really, what he is, he, he's a very slow fighting uh, sort of pressure counter puncher. There seem to be a lot of those on this card. Um, and I think um, he's got he's got fast hands. He's an accurate puncher. But I think Alves is going to have a lot of space and a lot of time to get those kicks off, those uh, those leg and body kicks. And uh, especially he holds his guard very high, which I think, which I think is going to be, you know, another avenue for that. As I said, when he does throw, he's got fast hands. But I, it's, it's going to be – a, a very slow-paced fight. Alves isn't going to have to worry about that kind of reach disadvantage here. Um, I think just moving around the cage, he's going to be a, a, a bit faster, if not, you know, at, at least can keep up with the speed. And, um, you know, I, I, I just think he can he can outwork him over three rounds. So I, I, I like Alves quite a bit as a dog player. Dear God, I can't believe that we agree. You know, you know Alves lost to Jim Miller – when Jim Miller was had Lyme disease, you know that, right? He did, but he's not. It's Conchenko going to grapple like that? And also, it's an it's uh, Joe. This is one of those. What other options do you have down there? Mm. Wow. You know, I, I don't even have to say a word here. Sean's my lawyer. I love it. 
Uh, don't get used to it because we're going to war soon. We are going to war. But before that, oh, we got to get through these next couple fights before we can do that. We have Shamil Abdurakimov, 8,300, taking on Andre Arlovsky at 7,900. This is one of my more confident dog picks of the card. And it's barely a dog pick as Arlovsky's 7,900. But you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say it counts here. As of right now, Abdurakimov, I believe, is still the favorite at minus 135. Arlovsky's plus 125. Look, I think we finally dispelled the, the rumor that um, Arlovsky doesn't have a chin. He, wow, did that line five dimes? Something weird happened here. But best fight odds are showing that Arlovsky opened at minus 215. I, I don't quite believe that. Sorry, that was, that was distracting. Weird. Um, to, Arlovsky's coming off of a loss, a close loss, against the prospect Hai Tuivasa, who's a much better prospect prospect than uh, Abdurakimov. Way different fighter. I get that. We uh, will uh, get there. He took he took punches uh, from and beat Junior Albini. I get out. Albini hasn't looked great as of late. Um, and he went against Stefan Struve. Arlovsky has toned down his aggression. He's shown from the old school days to become more of a point fighter. And I think that's going to pay off well for him in this fight against Abdurakimov. The problem, again, as I've said a few times, is scoring because Abdurakimov is the John Dodson of the heavyweight division. He just, there's no volume. He'll look to grapple, but there's a lot of standing and grabbing and awkward clinching. I think Arlovsky's going to have enough in his tool belt to not get taken down, separate, land on, on during the separation. I think he's better at range, clearly. I think he wins a close decision. I like Arlovsky for the odds. The scoring is the issue. But on this, on this card, any underdog that I have any inclination is going to win, I have to look at heavily. So uh, I'm, I'm liking Arlovsky at 7,900. Chris? Um. Yeah, this is a tough one for me because, you know, I've, I've solidly backed Orlovsky in, in his last few. Um, I think there's an argument that can be made to say that he won the Tuivasa fight. Third round was at least close. But um, I I don't know. The, my, my problem with Orlovsky is that he he's, he's quick, quicker than I think most people give him credit for. He's got a good chin, as you said, but he, he's very rote in that he basically just tr- tries to throw the overhand right um these days and 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 that's basically uh, he'll throw he'll throw a jab in in there too every every now and then but that's basically what he does um i i liked abdul rakimov in that sherman fight uh he showed i i loved that left hook that he kept going to um that eventually caught uh sherman knocked him out i think that um he's a he's a really good advantageous grappler he's good um he's he's a good uh, reactionary on the takedowns we saw it in, in the Derek lewis fight um, I agree with you that 8,400 is probably a bit too much for him. I just, I just don't, I think this is going to be a, a slow paced fight for each guy. Um, but I think that, um, the grappling will probably give Abdurakamov the advantage. So I'm going to take Abdurakamov here slightly, but this isn't, um, a great fight for me to target. Joe? Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't put too much in that Chase Sherman knockout. I mean, Chase Sherman knocks himself out nightly when his head hits the pillow. Um, a hard shot. Come on. Uh, I uh, yeah. I mean, come on. He, he fought Grabowski to a three-round decision win. 
Um, so I, I don't know what to look. I, this has low scoring snoozer all over it, uh, written all over it. And I'm going to say Arlovsky only because he fits better in lineups at 7.9 K. That's it. I don't really have a strong take on this fight. I do think he probably will get taken down a few times, but at 8.4 K, I don't see a lot of value with low output striking and a handful of takedowns if the fight goes to a decision. So not a very confident pick, but I'll pick Arlo. Real, real quick, Joe, uh, question in uh, from, uh, from YouTube. Uh, Cody asks, Joe, with obviously 100 lineups, you have exposure to all or most of the dogs. Which ones are you mixing in the most? Give me your top two. Um, hang on one second since he, since the question was asked. Let's see. Well, we know that Prochny was at like 40%, right? So no, it was 24, which is crazy. While, yeah, while, Joe's, while Joe's looking that up, our, the co-main event of the evening is Nikita Krylov at 8,200, taking on Jan Blahovic at 8,000. Um, Krylov making his return to the UFC. I believe he asked to be released to spend more time with his family. I believe he had a child. Uh, he's back. He's coming off of a loss. Um, his last UFC fight was a loss against Misha Serkinov. Since then, he's been can-crushing in Europe. Uh, Blahovic continues to... Look good when people count him out. Wins over Jimmy Manoa. Uh, what's the other fight? The win over. Um, oh God. Devin Clark. Devin Clark Devin with, with with the bulldog choke and Jared Cannonier was was the one I couldn't think of. So those, you know, Manoa is a good win to me. Clark showed he can deal with a, a grappler. Caught him in a bulldog choke, an, an odd submission, but he got it done. And here against Krylov, I think Blahovic is going to have the grappling advantage. Krylov is killer be killed. This fight's like minus 290 to end inside the distance. Uh, 29 fights for Krylov has never been to a decision. I think it's about 29. Blahovic, on the other hand, seems to go to decision a ton. I think Blahovic is going to have just enough on the feet, straight punches, movement, mixing the grappling, takedown or two. I do think it's a very close fight. You could target both sides. Krylov, obviously, with his history for finishes, has a ceiling as is Blahovic, because Krylov, when he doesn't seem to be winning, seems to quit. So both these guys are playable. I think this is one of the fights you can target both sides of. I do lean Blahovic. Chris? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to I'm gonna lean Krylov here. And uh, the reason I think is because, look, I like um, – Blahovic has really, has really gotten a lot of, a lot of tools in his, in his veteranship. We saw – like he uses – he fights kind of jab now. He never really did that before. We saw him counter very effectively in the manual fight um, with, you know, that left hook uppercut combination. He'll throw the, the lead uppercut too. Obviously, he's got the grappling, which he showed off in the Cannoneer fight. So he, he's very toolsy, and I like that about him. I just think he's going to be a little too slow and a little too stiff um, for Nikita Krylov here. I think um, Krylov, we know that Blagovich is hittable even when he's winning. Krylov, I think, is just going to be too powerful as well, he actually he actually fought a heavyweight for a spell. I, I think I think he's going to be too powerful. I think he's going to be too quick. I think he can at least hang on the gra- in the grappling, even if I can see that Blagovich is the better grappler, which I think he is. But um, I think Krylov takes the win here, and a finish wouldn't shock me. Joe, answer the previous question, and what do you have for this fight? Okay, Oli and CB Dalloway. Um, are my two uh, biggest... Uh, Did you just say Olenek? Yeah. 
Cat the yes. hell out of here. There's odds, there's odds value there. Um, okay, yeah. so <sighs> as it relates to this fight, Jan the man is the man. Um, but, you know, look, I, I don't know. First of all, um, there's you odds know, value on Krylov too. Play him at sixty percent. You lose. No, no, no. So, so here's the deal, right? Okay, so we don't know how much, if any, Krylov's improved crushing cans, um, in Eastern Europe. Um, that loss to Cirque looks so much worse now, um, based on what we know about about you know the pillow jawed Cirque, um, you know who seems to lose everywhere now. Um, very impressed with uh. Jan the man's last fight against Manawai. He, I, I figured I actually had him, um, but I no way did I think he would outstrike Manawai, which is what he did. I thought he would rely on his wrestling. It could just be that he's peaking. Um, I like him here. I think he's a fairly safe play in cash. Um, although it's a very, very hard card to construct a cash lineup. Um, it's, I, it's a nightmare. I do like him in cash. I think this is a good fight to target. Just because it's it's really close um, in terms of salary, I think this is a really good fight to target. I am picking Jean the Man. All right, let's get to it. <sighs> Our main event of the evening it is Mark Hunt eighty six hundred taking on Alexi Olenek at seventy six hundred. The line has gotten just crazy in my opinion. Mark Hunt, we we're talking about it beforehand, even though Chris is. Is taking Olenek. I think he concedes the line is too close right now. It's minus 125 for Mark Hunt, plus 115 for Olenek. Hunt opened at minus 215. has been slowly coming down the last 10 days or so. Alexi Olenek, in my opinion, benefits from people, especially at heavyweight, having no idea what in the hell they are doing on the ground. The Ezekiel choke is a submission you hit in the gi, push up on an elbow, go two on one on one of the hands. Both your hands are free. If he's got incredible grip strength, maybe he does. Well, clearly he does. But when you watch the Ezekiel choke that, that he's pulling off, not once in all the videos I watched, and I watched a bunch, did I see anyone even attempting to defend properly. God help me if Mark Hunt falls into that category and, and doesn't even try to defend it. That being said, as well, Alenic takes a lot of damage on the feet. He's incredibly hittable. He pulls people into mount, which is – I can't condone that ever. Look, he's a one-trip pony, and Mark Hunt, even Olenek said, it's got, in Olenek's words, a big fat neck that's going to make the Ezekiel choke really hard to hit. Mark Hunt, look, I, I know he's 13 and 12 as a professional. He's also very old. I just, there's more in to where I think at least he has an elite skill set for me in the striking. Olenek's a good grappler who specializes in something that just shouldn't work, and he's a heavyweight, so it does. That's how I see the fight. I can never get on the Alexi Olenek train if he wins. Look, personally, I'm fading him. That's my opinion. Do what you want with it. You know, Obviously, play your own game. There's, there's odds there, but I can never get behind Alexi Olenek. I just can't do it. Mark Hunt. He needs a quick finish to pay off, first or second round. Hasn't really got one of those in a long time. The first time he had a first or second round knockout was 2016 against Frank Mir, which does not look very good. Um, he did go five rounds against Stipe Miocic in 2015. You know, lost to, to Alistair Overeem, lost to Brock Lesnar, lost to Curtis Blades. Those are all way different names than, 
than Alexi Olenek, who I just think he's better than. I like the elite skill set. I'm going to mix in Mark Hunt. I said my piece. I'm going to contain myself. Chris, go ahead. Wait, wait. I thought Chris goes last here. I mean, you said you wanted to let him go. Okay, you know what? But I mean, I, you're playing a ton of Olenek too, so I, I can't trust anyone no, on this no, podcast. No, 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 I'm going to agree with you. So let me go first. Let me okay. go first because I'm. Right. I got three quick points to make here. Okay, one is um, I agree with everything you said. I actually like Hunt to win this fight, um, but there are there is odds value in Olenek, which is why I'm going to have some shares of him. Finally, this is not a must play main event. So I don't want, I mean, anybody to think that you can't fade this main event because I also agree with your point about scores. You know, it could be a, you know, if Hunt, first of all, I, I think no way this fight goes the distance. Um, I, I think it's a horrible fight to stack in cash. I mean, you know, people, a lot of people like to stack five-round main event. Go, go stack the first fight to the last. Yeah, stack, stack where Dashavelli. That's going to be a much better fight, um, you know, if you must stack. Um, but, you know, I, I – just because of the odds value, I will have some shares. Um, I like him better because he does have a distinct path to victory, which I don't see for some of the other, you know, dogs. Um, and he's actually not much of a dog. So my pick is Hunt, but I do advise having some shares of Oli in GPPs. Chris. Chris, go ahead. Give, give us all the Alexi Olenek love. Well, first of all, I, I don't know why they keep feeding Olenek these cans, but uh, the, the first thing I'll, I'll say about the fight in general... <laughs> I, I will agree with you, Victor Pesta is a can, and Junior Albini is dead to me. Yeah, I know. Well, that's... I mean, I mean, haven't you considered the fact that if he keeps ruining your nights, that maybe eventually one time you should come around? No, because, Chris, have you watched these fights? Have you... Have you I'm assuming you've rolled before... The Ezekiel choke I is, watched a him on repeat. is a gi choke. Is a you know, watch him on repeat with your pants down. Sorry, sorry, couldn't help it. Look, it's a gi choke. No one even tries to defend it right. I can't. Okay, all right. In all, in all seriousness, I, I think that we've gotten a little too carried away. I, I love the Ezekiel choke. I, I think it's awesome. But to, to, to act like that's the only thing he does is, is a little bit unfair to the guy. I think um, he's got. Uh, obviously, rear naked chokes. He's got. He likes to to do that. Um, the the neck crank, which is actually called a scarfold choke. He's got. Uh, he's actually got a knockout in the UFC over Jared Jared Rochelle. So, um, I think. I think he's got. Uh, <laughs> he's got a lot of different ways to win here. I think that um, you know he's a legit submission specialist. He's not just you know an Ezekiel choke guy, and so. I think that the way he likes to get his takedowns, which is up against the fence, is where we've seen Mark Hunt struggle with takedowns in the past. Mark Hunt is good at defending open mat takedowns because he, he limp legs out of them, but you can't do that up against the cage. So these guys just just lock underneath the double and they get him down. And I think that's what Olenek's going to do here. And yes, he does take a lot of damage, but Mark Hunt, who's always been a slow-paced fighter somewhat, has gotten unbearably slow of late he doesn't throw any strikes he um he just seems to always be looking for the perfect knockout punch that seems to be and only gonzalez <laughs> <laughs> no 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 well look i mean the guy's got ba a bad knees and he gets it done what do you want from him but uh i i, I, I just away. i just i just think that he look he's gonna for as slow as he is in his bad knees he's gonna be the one pushing the pace here He's going to be the one with that crazy 
uh, Sambo striking, winging those hooks, trying to get Mark Hunt back up against the fence. And look, Mark Hunt, we saw him we saw him play around with that step and elbow and actually land one against Alistair Overeem. He didn't follow up on it, which really made me upset because I had Mark Hunt in that fight. But, um, you know, I think that Mark Hunt can catch him coming in. But if Mark Hunt doesn't land the perfect shot here, I just think if this fight goes more than a round or a couple minutes, I find it hard to believe that he'll never end up on his back. I think that's going to happen, and I think Olenek's getting a sub here. All right, agree to disagree on that one. Let's just we'll, we'll move to our hot takes real quick. I want to thank everyone who clicked the thumbs up on YouTube because we are, you know, like twelve or thirteen now. So can we can oh. we recap? Can we recap uh, our pr- prior week's hot takes? Uh, they 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 were good. I don't remember them. I know I know <laughs> me. I know me. I only remember you. mine. <laughs> I know I hit mine. So I hit mine, Chris. I, I hit Andrade knocking out Kovalkiewicz. Kovalkiewicz. I, don't, I said there would not be a white with a victory. I don't remember what mine was. Does anybody oh, know? I don't no. remember. Offhand, it must not have been very good if I don't remember. I mean, it might have been. I honestly just yeah. don't remember. We'll try and keep them on track and, and 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 recap them. You guys got any hot takes for this edition of? Okay, my hot take is this. The leading scorer as a multiple of X is going to be sub 9K. Woo! That's my hot take. You don't think Peter Jan scores 100? I'm saying as a multiple of X. So, sal- you know, based on, based on salary, points per dollar. Right. I'm saying, I'm saying that I, I, don't, I, I don't necessarily – well, look, I, he, so, could get, he could get a first-round finish and, you know, score less than 100 points. He could. It's I, happened. So that's why I'm, I'm going to go that, – it's a hot take. That's, yeah, a, that's, a that's, hot that's pretty hot. That means no one's going to score 100. That'd be an interesting well, I said under 9K. Now, that Tassimov no, is under 9K. You, you, said, you said 9X. No, I said under 9K. I said the highest point, the highest point score oh, as a function oh. of X is going to be under 9K. I heard K and X fixed up. Okay, got it. Got it. Got it. Yeah, somebody in that mid-range is going to hit. I, 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 I think that's, that's probably – I like that the hot take. Chris? Um, Martin Prashneo, the Kyokushin karate expert, is going to stun and knock out uh, Magomed and Kalia. Well, that helped me out. Yeah, that Joe be, loves that pick. That would be awful for me. That, no, that would be horrendous for me. Absolutely positive. You're, play, you're playing with NASCAR money. Come on. Horrendous. Not yet, yeah. I'm not. Uh, my hot take is going to be... Mirab Divalashvili finishes Terry and Ware. Yeah. Do you, uh, you care to um, get a, uh, a a method in there or no? Wow. Ground and pound TKO. I'm, I, my, my only I, think, under, uh, I think one of the times that Terry and Ware is going, uh, trying to get up time after time after time, he's going to get sloppy, give up his back, turtle up, and get ground and pounded out of there. That's the high so, so here's one. Here's one. Here's one for debate. Will the Russian octagon girls? Be hotter than the Brazil octagon girls. I'm going to say yes. I'll go with yes. I'll say no. Of course okay. you will, because because you like the underdogs. Okay. Right, guys, that's it for Fight IQ. Remember to go to rotowire.com/free. Check out all their usually paid content, um, free for 10 days, no credit card required. Remember, lineup lock is tomorrow at 10:30 a.m. Guys, this was fun. San Paulo uh, next week, right? I believe so. So, everyone, that's it. 
that's it for this week. Good luck in your contest. Join us live um, this week or next week if you didn't this week. Take care, guys. Take care. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.